today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith Would to God that we would take inventory of where we are in our walk and our relationship to God. But there was also a realistic determination, not only a realistic confession, but there was a realistic determination. You could confess and say, oh, I haven't attained, I haven't reached, I haven't accomplished all that God wants. But there must be a realistic determination. You don't stop at confessing. You determine to make a change, a difference, to move forward in Him. Reaching up high with arms open wide we see. Changing our lives so we can be our heads and feet. The Apostle Paul was a mighty man of God. However, in the book of Philippians chapter 3, Paul confessed that he had not obtained all that the Lord had for him. However, Paul also pointed out that though he had not yet reached all of his goals, he continued striving forward for the sake of Christ. In today's message, Pastor Ed admonishes us to take personal inventory of where we are in our relationship with the Lord. Although none of us have reached perfection, we are constantly being changed into the likeness of Jesus. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's message, Living Out Your Calling. Building in faith. Pastor Manny Greco, my home church pastor, someone that has really had a large impact a great impact on my life, would tell the story how when he was born, the midwife had a prophecy. She began to say that he was going to be used by God. God's hand was on his life. And as a young man, he didn't want to be a minister because he saw some of the behind-the-scenes stresses that sometimes are, are part of the pastorate. And he went or tried to go in another direction, but that call kept on coming back. God kept on speaking to his heart. And through a series of events, he said yes to God. And God used him in a very pivotal way in many people's lives. He was a pastor's pastor, and the church uh, Trinity Tabernacle back in Brooklyn, New York, grew and it prospered, and, and God's hand was on that work in a very marvelous way. Not all of us are called into the ministry, but all of us are called to minister. Not all of us are called to stand behind a podium and preach the gospel, but all of us have a divine purpose that God has for our lives and obtaining that purpose and fulfilling that purpose really should be a goal that guides and directs our lives. Paul the apostle said in the book of Ephesians, for we are God's workmanship. In other words, God's working on us. He's working in us created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. In eternity past, God prepared you to do some specific 
task, work, ministry. Every child that I hold in my arms to dedicate to the Lord, as I pray for that child, I often pray that they would fulfill the destiny for which they were appointed. Because David said in Psalm 139, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. I believe in the sovereignty of God. We don't live in a world where the events and the things that happen are just a matter of the roll of the dice. No, I believe there's a sovereign God with his hand on the events of our times. I believe that a sovereign God has a specific purpose for our lives. He raises people up and he brings people down. He places one here and he places another here. He gives certain gifts to some and he gives other gifts to others. Paul the Apostle said he wanted to live out God's calling on his life. And he describes in us, in this text, I believe, ways that we can attain to the specific purposes God has created us for. One, there must be a realistic assessment. A realistic assessment. Sometimes people think far too much of themselves. Or they try and do things that they were never called to do. Or never meant to do. At other times, people have such a negative view of themselves that they never step out in faith and accomplish the things that God wants them to accomplish. So we need to have a realistic assessment of our lives. And Paul describes that in verse 12 when he says, not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect. You have a realistic confession. He is realistic in his confession. He has been saved for 30 years at this time, right about 30 years. He has preached the gospel. He has had incredible revelations taken up into the heavenlies. God has performed miracles at his hands. He is going to be the greatest mind of his time to formulate Christian theology. He surpasses all the other apostles in his understanding and in his writings. And yet Paul the apostle, after 30 years of serving God, now remember, he's committed. He's walking with God. He makes this confession. He says, not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect. He recognizes that the Christian life is progression, not necessarily perfection. Now, we strive for that, but in this present world, we never reach it. It's not until we get to heaven and we experience glorification. But in this present world, we're going forward 
with God. And that should be our aim, our goal, our mission, our purpose, to go forward with the Lord. Here he is recognizing in a confession that he's not already obtained this perfection. He recognizes how much further he has to go. That only comes from a searching heart. That only comes from someone who looks back at their life and evaluates where they should be and where they are. What God has called them to be and what they have done. What God intends for them and the progress that they've made. And so he confesses realistically. There are some things that we will not get over until we begin confessing to God. There are some things that will not change in our lives until we confess to God and begin to come before him and say, Lord, here I am. We should be in this constant state of becoming more and more like the Lord. Being and doing, becoming and being. So there was a realistic confession. And would to God that we would take inventory of where we are in our walk and in our relationship to God. But there was also a realistic determination. Not only a realistic confession, but there was a realistic determination. You could confess and say, oh, I haven't attained, I haven't reached, I haven't accomplished all that God wants. But there must be a realistic determination. You don't stop at confessing. You determine to make a change, a difference, to move forward in him. In Philippians 3.12 again. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already been made perfect here, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. Remember the day that you were saved. Remember the day that God lifted you up and picked you up out of sin and brought you into his kingdom. Paul is remembering that event. He's remembering that moment when God reached down and took hold of him. He was on the Damascus road. He was going to persecute the church. He was fighting against God. But God came and turned him around. And so Paul the apostle looks back and he says in that verse, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. Christ took hold of him for a specific reason, a purpose. God was going to make him a New Testament theologian. God was going to pour into his mind, into his heart, and out of his life, the book of Romans and the book of Galatians and the book of Ephesians. He was going to pour into him something that would be poured out to generations to come. Paul was determined to take a hold of Christ. It's only as you take a hold of Christ and his purpose in your life that you become the person God intends you to be. It doesn't happen by merely sitting in church and by expecting somehow a meeting to transform you. No, it's great to be in church. It's great to be in the meetings, but it takes a determination. And that's what Paul had in his heart. Uh, This person wrote, Lord Jesus, I long to be perfectly whole. I want 
thee forever to live in my soul. Break down every idol, cast out every foe. Now wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Whiter than snow, yes, whiter than snow. Now wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Oh, that determination to become and to be all that God wants you to become and to be. It takes that confession. It takes that determination. It takes the ability to make a proper assessment of where you are and the ability to say, I'm going to move forward in God. In 2009, let's move forward in God. Not backward, but forward. Not in reverse, but forward. Look at what God has ahead. Amen. There was a realistic assessment. A confession, a determination. There was a governing focus. A governing focus. Something that governed his thoughts, governed his mind, governed his thinking process. What he had to do is he had to forget about the past. Now, I was looking over my notes and I said, you know, I preached on this text before. Preached a little differently than I am today. But I was thinking how are there things in 2008 that you would like to simply forget. Look what Paul says. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. Forgetting what is behind, straining towards what is ahead. There are several things that you could think about when you think about forgetting. And um, I, I talked about a number of those things, but... Today I want to talk about some different things that we could forget. You could forget the guilt of the past, the sins that might try and reach out and keep you from going forward in God. Uh, You could forget and you should sometimes the advancements that you've made because sometimes those things could hold you back from moving on in the Lord. But Paul says, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind Some Christians are experts at living in the past. Living on past experiences. Now, we ought to build on the past, but not live in the past. We ought to build on the things that have happened, not be crippled because we're living in the past. Some people look to the past, some historical experience with God, but it's faded. It's distant. It's not a current reality in their life. It's an expired passport. Yeah, they've been there and they've done that. But it has no current bearing on their relationship to God now because there is no fruit from that. People will tell you, oh, I was in this revival or I did this for God, I made this sacrifice and I did that. Well, that is good and we thank God for that and we never want to negate that. But don't live there. There are new challenges. There are new things that we must do. As Christians, uh, some people just have expired testimonies. We call them testifonies. I mean, it was true at once, but they bring it from the past to the present so that they can escape from their present responsibility to God. 
Oh, I've been there, brother. I've done that. Well, yeah, but God calls for continual obedience. He calls for continual obedience. In the wilderness, when they wandered around for those 40 years, they were asking every day for manna, and God gave it to them, except when it came to the day before the Sabbath. They would store up the manna, and they would have it that Sabbath day. But if they kept that manna beyond the day that it was supposed to be kept, it went bad. It became corrupted. And that's what happened in so many people's lives where they slip into the sin of complacency. Oh, I got my credentials. You know, here's where I've been. Here's what's happened. Here's what I've done for the... All right. But how does that influence today? How does that create in me a deeper desire for God today? that I want more of God now. There's not only living on past experiences, there's longing for past experiences. Now, that's another trick of the enemy. Paul could have went back and he could have remembered the friendships that he had, the relationships that he had that were all lost when he followed Christ, all lost when he followed the Lord. And you know, when people come into church and they're so excited about following Jesus Christ, maybe it's out of a crisis they come in, things are falling apart in their life and they turn their lives over to the Lord, but then the enemy comes in a short time later and he begins to lie to them and he begins to paint the past so beautifully, so attractive, and you begin to hear an echo. You begin to hear the old Israelites in their voice where they say, ah, we liked Egypt, all the good food in Egypt. And what happens? People begin looking to the past, then longing for the past, and then leaving the present to go to the past. And they walk out of the church, no longer serving God, no longer walking with Jesus. Don't long for the past. Paul the apostle says, some things you gotta forget. Uh, The enemy will come with all sorts of lies. You know, you see these people uh, and these advertisements that they have, Find some old flame or something like that, you know, some high school sweetheart or, you know, and you think people wind up trying to go back and capture a missed moment that really is unrepeatable and imagine a life that maybe could have been or something like that and they begin living in a world that's not reality. They begin to long, and, and, and God, in his words, says, forgetting those things that are behind. Now, you don't stop there. Paul, the apostle, didn't stop there, but he wants us to look forward. I, I think about uh, Lot and his wife. It says, remember Lot's wife? Whoever tries to keep his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life will preserve it. Remember Lot's wife. She went back, she looked back, and God judged her. Don't go back to the garbage. Don't go back to the sin. Don't go back to the old life. Go forward with God. That's what God calls us to do. Then there's fulfilling the present. 
Paul talks about that, forgetting the past, this one thing I do, and he's talking about also fulfilling the present. One thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what's ahead. This is a, a picture of a, someone in a race. It's an athletic picture of someone who is reaching out to win a race with every fiber and every muscle of their body. Their hand is stretched forth. They're running. Their eye is on the goal. The Christian life takes work. It's not a welfare ticket. Uh, and I'm not, you know, demeaning people who have to struggle and go on welfare. I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is this. You get saved and salvation is fully of God. It's everything of God. You can't do anything to make yourself a Christian. You can't do anything to justify yourself before God. But salvation, though it's free, it costs you everything. To make progress in God, you must determine to work. Paul pictures this in this verse. He said, I'm pressing towards that goal. I'm straining towards that goal. That's why in Philippians 2.12, he says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And in the net version says, continue working out your salvation with awe and reverence. The Christian life is not... A spiritual playground, it's a spiritual battlefield. That's why Paul, at the end of his life, said, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I've run the course, and now I'm ready to get a crown of righteousness. It is a battle, and it will be until you die. Amen. It's a battle to discipline yourself to study the word. It's a battle to slay the flesh so that spiritually you could live strong. To die to self, to live to Christ. So Paul the Apostle says, okay, forget the past. Didn't mean don't build on the past, but there's certain things that you want to forget that might hinder, that might block, that might keep you. There are some things in people's minds that stick there and they can't move forward. It may be in a relationship, it may be something someone said, something did, and it's just like a recorder in their mind, and they don't hear because they're living in the past. There are people who think that sitting in church is enough. No, 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 no. Church is a big part, but only part of it. It's living this life outside this building. It's being in a prayer closet. Uh, I, I got an email from one of the brothers in the church, and he was telling me how God has been moving and working in his life. And he said, uh, the past couple of weeks, he's spent quite a bit of time in prayer, and he's gotten on his face before God, spending an hour, an hour and a half in prayer on his face before God before he comes into this house of worship. We need that type of devotion in our lives where we pursue the Lord. But it's also for seeing the future. In 3.14, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Every young person, I'm sure, does this. You think about when you're going to graduate high school, right? Then you think, no, some of you are not. Well, I hope, no, no. <laughs> Most of you are. But you think about when you're going to graduate high school, when you get to high school and you go to college. You think about when you graduate college. You think about when you get that first job, what it's going to be like working in for that job, you think about what it'll be like when you get married. 
your family, your children, all of those. We all somehow think about the future. Paul said, well, just fast forward it a little more past this earthly life. He says, I think about that prize in heaven. I mean, what's that prize all about? I think that prize is all about when Jesus comes and he says, you have served me. Dr. Ed Jones is taking us through the book of Philippians, which Paul wrote to encourage the believers in Philippi while he was in prison. It's our prayer that learning more about this letter is encouraging to you as well. We can all take hope in Paul's words when he said, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. How awesome is it to know that every good work Jesus began in us will be completed without fail? As Jesus does good work in our lives, it is so important to be in community. Are you part of a local body of believers? If you're in the Poughkeepsie, New York area and haven't yet found a home church, we'd love to see you at Faith Assembly. We meet every Sunday at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. to worship together and learn more from God's Word. We also have a Bible study Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. that enables us to dig deeper into the Scriptures together. We'd love to see you there. For more information, you can call 845-462-5955 or you can find us online at buildinginfaithradio.com. There you can find directions and service times, as well as additional messages from Pastor Ed. Once again, that number is 845-462-5955. Call us with your prayer requests, because we'd love to be praying for you. Remember to come back for the next edition of Building in Faith Radio to hear more from Pastor Ed on the book of Philippians. Your word restores.